You're listening to the PK Experience Podcast, where I tap into the minds of today's impact players. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the show, and my guest today is Jeff Hunter. Jeff is the CEO and founder of Savage Marketing, which is a personal brand development company. They go in and they help CEOs and influencers create more powerful, focused brands and then help them scale that out using his large team, over 50 virtual staffers. Um, Jeff created a company called VA Staffer, which is one of the largest outsourcing firms in the Philippines. Um, with his reputation in the industry and as a contributor to Forbes, Jeff has graced several high-level media channels, including ClickFunnels, Official Podcast, CBS, ABC, NBC News, and Inc. Um, Jeff and his team regularly travels locally and internationally speaking and teaching about their branding and business building strategies. He's got several books that you can check out if you go to vastaffer.com as well as jeffjhunter.com. And with that, there's if you're an entrepreneur uh, or business owner and you want to know how to scale your marketing using social media and, and or outsourcing it, this is definitely the episode for you to listen to. So with that, <laughs> let's dive into the call. Here I am with Jeff Hunter. All right, I'm here with Jeff Hunter. Jeff, how you doing, man? Awesome. Thank you for being on the call. For those that are listening on the PK Experience, we are actually broadcasting live on Jeff's channel right now, The Savage Marketer on Facebook. So this is our uh, our virgin experience with that. So thank you, Jeff, for bringing me. We're co-creating. Uh, yeah, we are co-creating. <laughs> We're creating multiple uh, footprints across the digital landscape today. Um, Jeff, you know, last we spoke, which was not that long ago, uh, the world was quite a different place. It was pre-corona, and here we are now in this crazy new uh, landscape. And one of the reasons why I wanted to reconnect with you and have a new conversation with you is how the heck are businesses supposed to thrive in our economy today in this um, post-corona environment? And mm -hmm. what things are you learning? What kind of things are you seeing from your clients? I'd love to just get a, an overview from your perspective uh, of how this is impacting your business and your clients' businesses. You know, uh, I wanted to, I knew we were going to get into that. So last night before I went to sleep, I could see about 11.30 PM last night, I made a simple Facebook post and I, I simply said, I want you to be honest here. Is your business up or is it down since the shutdown? I saw that. And uh, we're, up, we're up to 86 comments right now. <clears throat> And, um, you know, surprisingly, surprisingly, uh, uh, I think the majority of my audience is saying up. Now, I've probably, I would say 25% say down. I would probably say another 10% say sideways, you know, where they've had to pivot. Um, but I was, I think what was really interesting is that business for people who are online and most of my community are, you know, people that follow me are either you know, interested in growing their own personal brand. They usually have a business and they look at me as, as a marketing resource, as an expert to help them kind of grow their business. So in that sense, things are, things are very interesting. Um, but I, but I also don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to minimize the impact that this has made because I'm looking the people that say it's down, they're usually giving very interesting stories about why it's down. Um, and I'm seeing, you know, people that have in-person practices, coaching, consulting, um, where, you know, maybe, uh, maybe their clients are impacted. So it impacts them. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that there's more of a ripple effect. So to answer your question about what the heck should people be doing, 
Um, <clears throat> this is the real test because, you know, I've been talking about building virtual teams and doing remote business. And, you know, I was doing remote teams before remote teams were cool, you know, before the four hour work week, <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, you know, now is really the time to kind of double down on, on, you know, how do you build a sustainable business in today's economy in the future? It's not even people are like, Oh yeah, we're going to build a business for the future. Well, the future done come and gone. Mm -hmm. You got left in the past, mm -hmm. right? So uh, I think that the, the true answer to that question is, you know, have, have you been able to almost take advantage of where the situa situation is right now to offer something that more people can reach? And I also believe that right now, because there's more eyeballs than ever before, that you should be casting a broad net. Right now, you should be casting a wider net and you should be maybe even looking at if you if you only have an offer that's a thousand two thousand dollars whatever it is maybe look at starting something lower at a 67 97 dollar price point 297 maybe 497 whatever it is that you're selling and and trying to you know get out get those eyeballs out do free stuff lead magnets you know do content um people are looking for leadership right now hundred percent. Well, I had a previous guest on the podcast and she was saying how right now certainty sells. Um, obviously a lot of people are, you know, worried about what's going on in the, in the economy with, you know, we're we going to get a second wave of this coronavirus thing. Is that going to have uh, another ripple effect? Uh, are we actually at war? Is this just a, a just all craziness? Cause some dude ate a bat somewhere halfway around the world. It's just, there's a lot of uncertainty around this whole thing. And, um, so how, how do you, uh, if you're an entrepreneur, business owner, how do you, what does that actually look like on a tactical level? What, what, should, be, what, what should people be doing in their social media posts, uh, in their culture, with their employees? What does that actually look like? Do you have some examples of that? So <clears throat> there, there's a couple of different things. Um, so now, obviously, I mean, you already know this, but for the, those of you that are listening uh, on your end, um, I have two businesses, uh, three, three, three businesses, if you count the podcast as a business, which it is a pretty viable business by itself, right? I mean, there's so much ex exploration I haven't even done on that side, but I've got branded media, which is my branding marketing agency. And then I've got VA Staffer, which is my virtual assistant company. And then I have my Savage Marketer podcast and all of these brands, all three of these brands are, they're interconnected, they're woven, right? With my personal brand. So a very practical way to, to look at what you should be doing right now is I've been able to basically say, Hey, look, I've already been the virtual team guy. And I knew that people, like you said, certainty sells right now. So I've actually been contacted by multiple people to be, to be a featured speaker in their seminar, to show, display my expertise around, you know, building a virtual team around how to use a virtual assistant to do revenue generating activities. Right. Um, one of the, I even started a new show as a subset of the Savage Marketer podcast called Savage Business Breakthroughs, where me and my business partner, Jake, where we literally have people, if they're willing to be vulnerable with us and talk about the situations they're going through, because you know how it is as an entrepreneur, it's very hard to admit that things aren't going well, 
right? Because yep. I also think there's probably some bias on that post that I made because I think that maybe some people aren't doing that well, but they're still saying that they're doing well, mm -hmm. you know? Sure. And I hate to say it, but that's just how it is. It's not cool to say like, yeah, you know, it's just like at that Christmas party, you go to somebody and they're like, hey, how you doing? And you're like, yeah, man, I'm so busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm bragging about how busy I am. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I think that if you showcase your expertise right now, if you start, so for me, I've actually put out three new presentations just in the past 30 days that I've been able to do. How to leverage a virtual assistant, how to build an effective uh a remote business, how to do things remotely, um, and how to sell. I, there's actually a, a new summit that I'm partaking in that's a paid summit uh, called Evolve and Sell. And we're literally, it's me and three other really awesome people, Amanda Dake, T.G. Thomas, Christine Shlonsky, who uh, all of us came together to put, put together a program to basically walk people through. It's a four hour thing. It's, it's basically, it's actually six hours. It's like an hour and a half for each of us to walk through is a very specific thing. Hmm. So here, here's what you have to do too. Cause here, here, how about this? Here's a better question. I'm going to rephrase your question of what I probably would have been more applicable is how are you adapting right to this economy? And, and here's, here's the, the trick, the kicker for this, the people that are going to fail right now, are the people that haven't been able to adapt. The people that are still trying to sell the same way to the same people who either don't fit the demographic now because they're out of a job, 25% of Americans right now are out of a job, 25%. For the people in the back, we have a 25% unemployment rate right now. Like mm. 4 million people forever. It was like 4 million people a day or something like that. I remember how it, now we're up to like 100, almost 100 million people that, or either stop looking for jobs or are claiming unemployment. That's crazy. So to put that in perspective, I think the great depression was 25% unemployment. I yeah. mean, we're all, if we're already at that now and things haven't even really hit the fan yet. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens 60, 90 days from now, yeah. just because I think there's also going to be a housing bubble crisis. I've already seen Airbnb people. They're just, you know, getting destroyed because no one's traveling. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of things that are happening right now that, uh, that are really, you know, they're, they're more long term effect, you know? So, so I guess, uh, going, going back to it, I would say that we really have to focus on how can we broad the base? How can we reach more people? How can we position ourselves as that leader? And it doesn't matter what niche you're in. It doesn't matter what, what service industry you're in because, here, here's a great example. I, I just had a guy who was, by the way, this is back to what I was saying, who was vulnerable enough. His name is Paul. And he said, hey, look, I'm a financial, uh, he's a certified financial planner, CFP. And right now, not a lot of people are worried about, you know, saving more money and whatever else. Like they're worried about their job they've got now. They're worried about how they're going to pay their next bill. They're not too worried about what, what they should be doing with their retirements, 401, IRA, whatever else. So <clears throat> he was very vulnerable and told us that he was going through that. What was beautiful about it was he came into the group. We did a little consult call. And like I said, any, if somebody comes on the Savage Business Breakthroughs, basically, like I'll do a consult call with my buddy, Jake, my partner, Jake, for free, as long as the, we're able to do it live. And so that everybody can learn from it. And they have to be very open to critical feedback. You mm -hmm. know, it's not, it's not easy for us 
as entrepreneurs to be vulnerable, right? Yep. yep. So uh, we always want to paint the picture that we're super uber successful, right? Mm-hmm. Because God forbid you're not successful, no one's going to trust you anymore, mm-hmm. right? Which, by the way, is totally a, a false belief. We all <laughs> fail, yep. right? So yeah, it's counter counterproductive, actually. I mean, when you up and share some of the, the flaws, it, it tends to create more trust that way, sure. So what, so what did we do with him? Paul comes in. He's like, hey, here's what's going on. Not a lot of people are worried about their 401ks right now. <laughs> um, what should we do? And I said, well, look, there's a bunch of government assistance programs, and he's actually in Australia. Um, and I said, are they, did they pass a stimulus bill like what we did? He says, yeah, there's something else that's very similar. And I said, well, is it easy to apply for? He's like, well, not exactly. And I said, well, why don't you pivot and you, uh, you basically create a service to help people apply and get the maximum benefit. And he's like, oh my God. And I said, because I'm assuming that there's idiots like me who are going to go apply for something and do it wrong and not get the full amount. Right. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like I know I did. I, I paid my accountant thousands of dollars to apply for the, the pay, payroll protection plan, which by the way, I didn't even think I was going to qualify because I only had like, you know, 10,000 less in payroll. I'm the only W2 on my team. Mm. So everyone else is a 1099, right? Mm-hmm. But I already got my PPP payment and my, my, my SDI, SDIL, the disaster relief, that's still coming, right? Mm. So he's like, oh my God, this is fantastic. And then I said, hey, why don't you have a virtual assistant go online as you on your LinkedIn account, contact businesses, you know, by founders and CEOs of, of small businesses in your area. And, and he's in Melbourne and, and just ask them, Hey, are you, you know, how's COVID-19 impacted your business? Did you already apply for the disaster relief? And if they didn't, there's an opportunity, right? And is that a service that he's now charging for? Or is that just a, something he's starting to do to he created a brand new offer. He pivoted. Yeah. He pivoted, created a brand new offer. And, and basically he's doing that. He's basically helping people apply uh, for the, for their, you know, for their business relief through the government of Australia. So that's great. So that's, that's just one quick way of, of just seeing an opportunity and you know how it is. You don't, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Right. And I think that that's why it's important to have community as an entrepreneur. Totally. Dude, it's yep. so, it can get so lonely as an entrepreneur. <laughs> I, I, when I first got started in real estate investing many years ago uh, on my own, I used to get excited about going to get the mail because it was like, I might run into somebody. I might, you know, like that's how stuck at home I was. And yeah, it definitely. Feels like right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. I know when quarantine hit, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm pretty much going to keep doing the same thing I'm already doing. I already work from the house. I don't really know too much. So, um, yeah, it, it can definitely be lonely. The connection to community is, I think, uh, a huge advantage, uh, something that entrepreneurs ought to be leveraging more. And uh, to your earlier point, showing up with some vulnerability and saying, hey, this is where I need help, um, you know, putting the ego down a little bit, opening up and receiving the wisdom of a hive of very intelligent motivated people. And this, there's another factor that, to that too, to me, which is tribe. And one of the mm. things that you've done very effectively is you've created a tribe that uh, has innate trust. Let's talk about that for a second. How have you done that? How have you fo- created a following where there is that, um, that trust and, and desire to help each other even built in within the community? You know, 
I've been, I've been very, I've been very blessed that it's so, so funny because you know I've I'm I'm kind of an ambivert. Like I I like to do my own thing, but at the same time I understand how important it is to have community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you know uniting people around a common thing and and see that that's why you know it's funny because. Anyone who, if that, this is going to be a show for itself when, it, when that time comes, but I bought this brand, Savage Marketer, from Dan Henry. And uh, it's so funny because I knew he wasn't using it anymore. He's, uh, Dan Henry was a client of mine, hmm. and we helped him launch something called the Savage Marketing Academy. And it was a really great offer, um, but it was a pain in the ass because it, it was all his training tutorials and, and stuff, and it was uh, $2.97 a month, but there was a $1 seven-day trial. Well, guess what happens after seven days when your cheapskates want to cancel before it gets hit for two ninety seven? They have to get canceled, otherwise they get billed. And then if they get billed, then you have to worry about refunds, you have to worry about chargebacks, you have to worry about processing that stuff. And because sales come in every day of the week, that means that you literally people on your team have no life because if someone on a Sunday is going to get charged, <laughs> it's going to happen. So he ended up getting getclients.com. Getclients.com is obviously a fantastic domain name. Savage Marketing Academy kind of went to the wayside. And I spoke at his event, AdCon Live in 2018. It's actually one of my biggest stage events. There's about 350 people, which at that time I was blown away, you know, 350 people. (laughs) Um, But what was really interesting was that he was giving out the swag, Savage Marketer hats, Savage Marketer shirts. I grabbed a couple extra for for my wife and my son. And I have a black convertible Camaro. And it was just cool. You know, it's black and red and my Camaro's black and carbon fiber and it has red accents. And I was like, yeah, this is sweet. And my son, it's the only outfit that my son and I had that matched. (laughs) My son idolizes me. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a kid that actually thinks I'm cool. Probably the only person on the world that thinks I'm cool. (laughs) (laughs) So we get in the car together and we're going down the street one day and out of nowhere, I was just like, dude, we look so cool right now. We took a picture in the car and I, this is two years after Dan Henry. So I sent a picture to Dan, maybe like a year and a half. And I, I sent this picture to Dan. I said, Hey Dan, what did you ever do with the Savage Marketer brand? And he's like, well, nothing. And I was like, what would it do to, to, to buy that from you? And that's the story that I'll tell later on another show. But the point is, is that I knew there was something special about the Savage Marketer movement because all of us as entrepreneurs, business owners, coaches, consultants, we all would consider ourselves a little savage. We've all had to put in those 18 hour days. We've all had to do something that a normal W2 would never understand, Mm -hmm. right? We've had to work those weekends. We've had to sacrifice times. We've been up till three, four o'clock in the morning because our mind was filled with ideas that we had to get down, right? Like we've all had that as an entrepreneur. We all have a little savage inside of us and leveraging the savage marketer community. I've been able to really build a really awesome tribe. We're up to about 3,600 members now, um, which is really incredible. I think Dan had 2000 went already inside the group when it started. So I got a head start when I bought the brand, I bought his Facebook group. I bought the domains. I bought the swag. There was nine boxes of boxes in his garage in Tampa, Florida, that as part of the deal we negotiated, I had to come and grab all the swag that was in his garage. It was taking up half his garage. Um, 
So anyway, the point is the community, the tribe, you, you want to make people feel like they're on this journey together and you have to actually genuinely care. Right. And I think that that's why you've had a lot of success too. You know, people can tell that you genuinely, genuinely care because it's really easy to tell when someone builds a community and basically you're just all their leads, you know, yeah. like it's why email lists feel yucky for most yeah. people yeah. because most email lists treat you like a lead. You're just a potential sell. hundred percent. Um, I love that in the negotiating of Savage Marketer, it wasn't how do you get a good price on the inventory, the overstock inventory. It was him saying, how the hell do I get rid of all this stuff? So, oh, here, here's the funny part. I offered him a, I offered him a number. Okay. Yeah. I won't get into the numbers here, but I offered him, actually, I'll, I'll get into the first offer. The first offer I said was $3,000. I said, Hey, how about, he's like, I don't know, make me an offer. And I was like $3,000. And he was like, Jeff, I could sell all the swag in my garage and make more than $3,000. Now, remember, at this point, I was just thinking about buying the domain name and the logo and the groups. Yeah. I didn't even know he had swag. Okay. So then I was like, <laughs> hold on a second. What do you mean swag? He goes, I got a half a garage of swag and I got to get it out of here. And he, 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 now Dan Henry, he's, he's done very well for himself. He has a really big contemporary like mansion in Tampa, you know, right on the, right on the, he has his own pier with his boat and everything. <laughs> and he whips out his phone and he, he does one of those little video messages on messenger mm -hmm. and he sends me a video and literally it's like half his garage is just boxes, hats, t-shirts, mm -hmm. binders, boxes of boxes so that there's these black boxes that have the savage marketing academy logo on every side like they're custom printed boxes he had nine boxes of 50 boxes in each box oh my god so yeah basically every time i get a new client or whatever i just set a box that, yeah. <laughs> right here's your welcome box so 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 back to that i mean it's really important that you have a movement you know uh, i just had uh, Ryan McKinsey on my podcast on Monday. I don't know if you know who Ryan McKinsey is, sure. but he, he's a, he's a legendary e-com marketer and he started this, uh, he's a founder of this company called true earth, T R U dot earth. And this is, this is the value of the tribe. Boy, I'll tell you what, this is probably going to be the most value. You guys can, can, if you just listen to this one part of the show, it's going to, you're going to get so much value. Like this is going to be a showstopper. He's built a tribe of people selling a product and the product is a movement. This is what's beautiful. You have to think about how you can position your community, your group, what you do as part of a movement that people want to be a part of. And uh, by the way, that's exactly why I love how you named your show, the PK experience, right? It's about the experience, the customer experience, the brand experience, right? Brand activation and experience is one of the most important things you could possibly ever do. He has invented, this is, this is crazy. It is a biodegradable, completely zero waste laundry detergent. Hmm. It comes in a paper bag. Like when I say paper bag, I mean like a sleeve, a little tiny sleeve. It's very thin. It's all biodegradable. You tear off the little perforated tab, right? And, and the, the laundry detergent doesn't come in a plastic jug, by the way, 700 million uh, plastic jugs every year go into waste somewhere. Mm. Um, so that's part of the movement, right? 
and and it's the dissolvable tear off tab like it's dry it looks like one of those like fabric softener sheets mm -hmm. you you rip it off it's a little tiny tab each one of those little things come with 64 loads it can do you drop it into the load when the water's on and it dissolves and that's your soap wow that's cool it's brilliant yeah and and listen to this this is the craziest part He's up to 30,000 plus monthly subscribers. It's a subscription service. Oh, okay. And, and here's the best part of it all. His brand advocacy, because it has such a good mission and purpose behind it. Yeah. For every one customer he gets on average, that person will get four other people to subscribe. Damn. That's how they've head. had such growth because once they get it, like it's doing good for the environment. It's, yeah. it's beyond, it's, see what I mean? It's beyond the product, right? right? It's beyond the product. Think about what good this is doing for society, getting rid of those plastic jugs, right? It's super simple to use. You feel good about it. It's a very, you know, low impact on the environment product. And when you, when people, it's just cool. Like it's no, just- I'm, a, I'm assuming pricing is, is relatively- Oh, it's, to what? It's, yeah, actually yeah, it's better. It's better because you don't have- you know, it, and think of all the time that you spend, you know, dumping the stuff and measuring it in the cup and whatever. You just rip off a tab and you throw it in there, you Love know? That. That's cool. Wow. Um, but, that, but that's the point. The, the point about the group, the point about the product, the point about the community, the point about the purpose and the mission, right? You have to make it more than just what you offer. A lot of people, it's all about the product. And if you stop there, you're never going to make it to true success. You have to look at beyond the product. What is the purpose and mission? If you can't genuinely say that there's a bigger purpose to what you offer than what it is that you offer, then you have to take a really, it's going to be an embarrassing, you know, moment to yourself to realize that maybe your vision isn't big enough, right? What but in the say, long run, go ahead. Uh, what would you say your broader purpose is, the purpose behind what you do? giving people more visibility in life, letting them impact more people. And I, I know that there's so, so much buzzwords around, uh, you know, impact driven entrepreneurs. We've all heard this before. Right. Mm -hmm. But in reality, you know, because my, my, I have a very strong brand promise. My brand promise is that I build brands for founders and CEOs to become influencers in their space. It's a very simple, a very simple brand promise. And what I'm able to do is elevate people to actually become figureheads in their industries so they can actually make more impact, right? They're going to be able to earn more money. They're going to be able to have more impact in their industry. And think about the biggest brands ever. I'm going to talk about personal brands for a moment. Look at Richard Branson. Look at Elon Musk, right? Look at Warren Buffett. What do all of these people have in common? Bill Gates. Steve Jobs, what do they all have in common? They've leveraged their personal brands to build their other brands, right? Apple, Apple, remember when Apple didn't have Steve Jobs? People yeah. forget about this stuff, yeah. what happened? Yeah. Steve Jobs came back after he built Pixar Studios, right? Sold that to Disney, like the guy's huge. And he, he's leveraged his brand to do that, Richard Branson, who, at the time, back in the day without the internet, the only way for him to get attention for his brands was to do crazy outlandish things, like put a giant Virgin logo on the helicopter, on a hot air balloon and, and try to go across the Atlantic Ocean in, in an air balloon, 
insane, and, by the way. And, 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 and a speedboat, right? I mean, there was just so many crazy things he did because back then the only way to go viral wasn't the internet. It was to have a bunch of publications say, this crazy guy is taking an air balloon across the ocean. Yeah. Right. You had to do things like that. It's so much easier now because we have the internet. <laughs> uh, so, did, you read, did you read his book, Losing My Virginity? I haven't, but I, I need to. I oh, need dude. to. It's so good. It's so good. His mind, the way he works is so uh, liberating to, to share something. What was your big takeaway? He, well, he's, he talks about how he first started in college and um, how he noticed that everybody in college loved music. So he's thinking, trying to think of a way to distribute music to them. And so he created his first college newspaper and then sold advertising to it. And he would go to Pepsi and he would say, hey, do you want a full page spread in the centerfold of this uh, uh, newspaper? Because, uh, oh, by the way, Coke has the other side. And mm. now he didn't have Coke yet. But Pepsi was like, well, and actually, I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. So he, he ultimately got this across several universities. So he had a fairly big you know, readership. And then he could really start driving some ad revenue. And then he started working deals with, the ad, you know, with them. Another great story that I love out of the book is when he was, I think, in his 20s, and he was already a multimillionaire at this point, building Virgin Records. And he had signed, I think, the Sex Pistols. And, and um, you know, I think that was his big, his big break for the music side of things. So he took his then girlfriend and because he had heard about that you could buy an island. And so he flew down to the <laughs> island. And but in the showing of the islands, they the real estate brokers down there would take you by helicopter from island to island. So he took his girlfriend down there. They had barely any money. He was probably, <laughs> I think, cash flow negative. But nobody knew that. People just knew that he was this stud 20 multimillionaire guy. So they thought yeah. uh, maybe he was rolling in it. In his mind, he's like, shit, I just want to fly around on helicopters for free island. that'd be a cool thing to do yeah he goes down there flies from island to island finally the guy said you know uh there's only one more island but it's way out there it's hard to get to or whatever and he's like oh well let, let, take me to that i want to see that flies him all the way out there shows him the property they go back to the main island and the guy the broker says so you know what do you think? And he's like, I love it. I love that island. It's great. It's beautiful. I want to, I want to buy it. How much is it? And the guy, I'm making this up right now, but it was like at the time, 5 million bucks, 6 million bucks, which, you know, in the early eighties was a big deal. Um, he's like, I can't afford that. I can only make an offer of like 300 grand. And the broker literally like kicks him out. Don't waste my time. I can't believe you even came here or whatever and hated on the guy. So then Richard, tasks one of his peoples to find the owner of the island, which was some guy across halfway around the world. He said, make him an offer. Tell him, I'll give him 300 grand for it. The guy ends up accepting the offer and that became uh, Necker Island. That's how he Wow. So I just, I love wow. that attitude of just, fuck it. Like, let's, let's make an offer. Let's make it you happen. Got, th this is a perfect thing. And you know what? I, this, this applies perfectly to the coronavirus that we've got right now. Because let me tell you, there's some businesses on sale right now. Yeah. All right. Um, this, is, this is interesting because I think you and I both know Roland Frazier. Um, he, he started something uh, really interesting called this Epic Challenge about how, you know, how to look into you know, acquiring businesses and stuff. And he's got something called the Business Accelerator Program. And <clears throat> it's kind of opened up my eyes to where... I'm looking at like, hey, what are the things that I'm doing right now? And see, I just got them talking about this acquisition, right? Savage Marketer, right? Small acquisition, right? It wasn't tens of thousands of dollars. It was a small acquisition. It wasn't 100,000 or a million or whatever, right? 
So how can you, I want you guys to think about right now, especially because I want to talk because everyone supposedly said they're doing really good. Business is up right now. That's what they said. So I'm going to switch it up and talk to the people that said that they're doing really well right now. Right now, if you've got cash, you've got opportunities. Okay. Because there's going to be some, I don't know, 60, 90 days from what I hear, housing might have an issue because the mortgages that aren't getting paid. What I've heard people who aren't paying rent, Airbnb properties that are taking tumbles right now that people are looking to, 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 to get out of. There's lots of opportunities right now in real estate. There's lots of opportunities in business. And for me right now, personally, one of the things, and maybe someone has a connection, one of the things that I'm looking for right now to grow my business, and I'm actually excited because I can see somebody who's watching this live right now, Joel Kelman. He and I are partnering up on a project to uh, create an app for this, for, for this community, for the Savage Marketer community. Um, and it's gonna be, every time I go live on Facebook, it's gonna drop, you know, it's gonna send out a push notification to people's phones and tell them what's going on. All my courses and programs are gonna be in there. It's actually freaking awesome, right? And I'm thinking like, how, what are different technologies that I can either partner in on for equity or just flat out buy? Or how can I team up with other people that do things that aren't directly competing with me that I can add to my business. Yeah. Exactly. That are, see, I don't have to, and I don't have time to reinvent the wheel. I don't have time to create a bunch of stuff. Well, you know, what would be really great for me. Cause one of the things that I do for my team and if everybody, anybody's listening out there and there's an opportunity, I do a lot of graphic design and a lot of branding and stuff for my clients. We do a lot of social media and I was thinking how awesome would it be for me to have my own Canva style of a program that I could, just have my pre my team have all these preloaded templates and whatever else not that for my branding clients they can these are going to be pre, not just like canvas stuff but i'm talking like premium stuff you know like super premium my team could create templates and stuff inside of a platform somewhere and people could pay a subscription to on a monthly basis to have access and we would we would basically curate content every month like we would create awesome stuff for people to post that's catchy, that's timely. And like, and, and basically, here you go. Here's a bunch of content for you. Like if there's a platform out there like that, I'd love to pick something up like that. You know, if anybody knows of something out there. I just I, came across a girl yesterday that's doing did that. You? It's so funny you brought that up. Yeah. Okay. Say no more. Connect me afterwards. Okay. <laughs> because if, if, cause if that's an, a mission for her, in alignment and see, and this is what's beautiful about this deal. She doesn't have a customer base guarantee, right? I have a customer base who buys everything that I do, mm -hmm. right? So it's a win-win. So we can figure out a way to make that work, right? Whether so it's a part. Here's a little ninja move too that I learned when I was in the real estate investing world. For those who so you were talking about the people who are doing really well right now and, and who you were saying, hey, if you have some liquidity, this is going to be an excellent opportunity for you, right? right. What about yeah. those who don't? What you just brought up was that you're a buyer. You're looking for things. And, and this is, again, something I learned in real estate investing. And I have to give a shout out to Rob Swanson, who taught me this principle, which is start with the buyer. Go find people who are motivated to buy and match them up with what they're looking for. Mm. Jeff just mentioned what he's looking for, for those who are listening right now. Like oh, myself, oh, oh. right? Go find Jeff, what he's looking for. Start asking other people, what are you, what are you buying? What are you looking for? Um, if you don't have money, find people who do 
and, and find out what they're looking for and reverse engineer it and step yourself in the middle and create a deal. It was, it, it was something I literally walked away from a breakfast with this guy, Rob Swanson and uh, got on the phone and I shit you not within 60 minutes, I had structured a land deal for 30 grand in my pocket. I'm like, wow, dude, that, cause I never, and I, what held me back was my mindset was a, I didn't have the money to buy it. And B, I don't know land get, if you, if you break out of that mindset and you just simply said, how many people, how many, like you're driving around, how many times do you see, Hey, I buy houses or I buy land or whatever. Look on the internet, look, whatever, ask around in your church or your whatever. There are people that are buying stuff. You don't even have to know and be an expert at whatever that is. Just you just have to find it. them some deals. Yep. Go source it. Step yourself in the middle, create an offer. You know, you have to understand contracts. You have to understand, but at the very principal level, if you're listening to this and you feel like you're restricted in resources, the only thing that's holding you back is your mind. And oh. you can, you can put these things together and, and make deals happen and create, create liquidity for yourself. Let me just summarize that guys. You don't even have to have anything to sell. You don't have to have anything to buy. You don't have to be looking for nothing. All you need to do is know what other people want and help them find it. And you can negotiate a sliver of the pie. Yes. That's a beautiful thing because definitely like if you hooked me up with this, this person who has a software platform or whatever, or is developing something like that. And I could come up with a way I'm going to be like, dude, Peter, thank you so much, man. You know, like here's a little sliver, right? If you help, for example, like you were talking to real estate, right? If you know, these people are looking to buy houses. I have several clients right now, Corey Calvin out in Denver, uh, Greg Weinstein, out in Florida, these are guys that buy houses and they, they, they hold, they rent and hold, right? So they're always looking for opportunities. If I can help them find an opportunity, will they pay me? Absolutely they will, right? Because I know how much they're paying for leads, <laughs> right? If you're a We Buy Houses franchisee, um, you're paying a pretty penny, over $1,000 a month for sure, um, mm -hmm. yep. just, to, just to get some leads, you know, some people that want to sell their houses. So think about that, y'all. Think about how you can position yourself as the broker, right? As somebody who can come in and help make a deal happen for a, for a price. And you don't have, you don't have to buy or, or sell anything. It's none of your money out of pocket. All you're doing is helping them coordinate. All you're doing is making the connection. And that's what I love about uh, affiliate marketing too. You know, affiliate marketing has a bad name. And I think that's because a lot of people that go into affiliate marketing do it wrong. <laughs> right. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of affiliate marketers, uh, you know, it's, it's like they're running their affiliate marketing business like an MLM. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with MLMs if you do it right either. But an affiliate marketer is leveraging your trust. It's your reputation and trust when you sell someone else's product. Hmm. And that's why I don't actually sell a lot of other people's things unless I either have gotten results for myself, right? Or... It's somebody that I know genuinely cares and will not screw over somebody that I send them. And the reason why I say that is because you, we've all had those people in the network where you're like, you referred to someone and, and like they didn't do a good job. And then it, it takes your credibility down a notch because you referred them and they're like, well, I'm not going to think, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not ever going to listen to what Peter King says again, because that guy hooked me up with Jeff and man, Jeff did a horrible job on my funnel. Right. right? 
So you got to think about that. I've had to, I've had to do a lot of work myself to salvage a relationship because I, you know, I, I've hired somebody or I referred somebody that did a really bad job on something. You never want to do that. Yeah. So, 100%. so with that said, what I would say is like, what is it that you do right now? What is something that someone else can provide to your clients that isn't direct competition with you and offer that service to them and negotiate with that person 20% commission, 30% commission, 10% commission, whatever is better than nothing, right? It's something that you don't do anyway. Yep. Uh, and to get a little bit more into the weeds, you can structure it in a way where you uh, are, are buying the selling side and then selling it to the buyer, right? So you're actually oh, yeah. having a contract. So it's not just you, you can do commissions. I, the only reason why I say it is because with real estate and things like that, you have to license, you have to get a license. So depending on which niche you're in, you may not be able to do that. But. I'm just going to say service. Let's just say this. Let's just put it to you this way. Cause this is one of the things I do. This is how I developed the king of outsourcing reputation. I have a girl. She's fantastic. She does my Instagram. Okay. Now she charges me 500 bucks a month to do my Instagram account. Right. Uh, and I always get compliments all the time. Hey, who does your Instagram or whatever? Cause she does all the hashtags and she goes out and does, you know, engagement with other people and builds my, my, my following. That's how I've got 20, you know, 12,000 followers or whatever, 11,000 followers, whatever it is. Um, and I'll, so I'll go to them and say, yeah, I have a girl. She's fantastic. And she's 800 bucks a month. I just say that she's 800 bucks a month. If you want, I can hook you up. Right. And then I'll have them pay me. Right. Or I'll work out an agreement where I say, hey, look, I got you another job for 500 bucks. You are going to pay me $300 of, of you know, uh, you know uh, for 800 bucks. And the deal, first I have them agree that they're going to do it for 500 bucks because that's what they charge me. Mm -hmm. And I say, cool. So listen, I'm going to charge them. I, I told them to charge 800 bucks and you're going to pay me three. Is she going to be happy about that? Hell yeah. Right. Yep. So that's something that I do on the daily. You know, like I do that all the time. Like that's literally what business I'm in. I'm in outsourcing. I'm in branding. If somebody comes to me to do a brand guide, you know, my brand guides cost 2,500 bucks, 3,000 bucks, depending on, you know, what you want in it. And, you know, I know that it takes four to six weeks for my team to truly complete one of those. I know that my profit margin is almost hundred percent. So I'm buying labor and I'm selling the product. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what every, every company does in the world anyway. Mm -hmm. But if you have it systematized in a way to where you can get consistent results and other people, like I'd be more than happy to give somebody 500 to to a thousand dollars to sell one of my products for me. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. Because once I get someone through the door to buy any of my products, they're going to be lifetime clients because I'm focused on only one metric LTV, right? Lifetime value. What, how can I build a partnership not just a client relationship, but a partnership to be seen as a critical piece of the growth of their business. Hmm. Um, I want to shift gears for just a second and go into the virtual remote team development. How did you become the king of uh, remote teams or virtual teams? That's a funny story. So <clears throat> I used to work in IT my whole life, basically. Um, I've always been in computers. My first job, I was 14 years old. My grandpa used to drop me off at this computer store called Data Computer. And uh, I didn't even get paid. I would just, I loved computers so much that my grandpa would drop me off. And from like 2.30 to like five o'clock when they closed, I would just go hang out and build computers and 
hang out with their staff. Um, that was pretty much what my high school consisted of. <laughs> um, and then I got hired. I got hired by them uh, to, to, to start something called data networking, which was a networking company because I, I did like networks and setting up VPN tunnels and stuff like that back in the day. And then I got a job working for a school district. I was the IT coordinator for a school district. I did that for four years. And then I got recruited. This is when it really started getting interesting. This is when I started doing virtual back in 2000, uh, 2012. I got recruited to be a project manager for a Fortune 500 company, Philips Electronics. And I was the project manager managing remote teams. And I worked remote. Like it was my first job ever having where I just woke up and my work was at my desk at home. Mm-hmm. And it was a mind blowing thing. Like I was like, holy crap. Cause I come from the conventional wisdom of traditional work. Mm-hmm. And when I learned that, holy crap, I could be working in my underwear doing these project management calls where I'm getting paid a six figure salary with, you know, CNOs, chief nursing officers and VPs and, and CEOs of these giant corporations and companies, you know, people don't understand how big the healthcare industry is that hospitals are big business, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. <laughs> um, but here I am in a, you know, and of course I would do kickoff calls in person too. You know, half my job was remote, half of my job was in person. That's about how it was. But we, st- I started realizing, holy smokes, I could actually have these guys do a lot of their work remotely. If I just sent a field service engineer, they call it an FSE, field service engineer, out on site to set up a server on site. And then the technicians, the network administrators and stuff could set everything up remotely once they got access. That's it. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy crap, this is, this is amazing, right? It changed how, even just since I started working there, it changed how it was. And then the beautiful part came. I hired my very first virtual assistant who re- actually was a project manager. He had more certifications than I would, than <laughs> I did. He was a PMP cert. He was from Pakistan. And I paid him $5 an hour on Fiverr back when Fiverr was five bucks to create these Gantt charts, which is basically an organizational chart of how, how to do, you know, what tasks were needed and how long it would take. So you could figure out like what your critical uh, timeline was for any given project. And by the way, that part sucked. Documentation (laughs) for projects is like 50, 60% of the project is like documentation. Mm. So once I figured that out, I was able to basically outsource that documentation process. I was able to spend more time on actual project management. A project manager who has more time to do project management yields higher results. Within one year of that job as a, as a project manager, I became a top five project manager nationwide over all project managers. And I got a lot of attention. And at that time I was young and stupid and, uh, you know, I had just turned 30 and uh, they called me in and they said, Jeff, how are you doing all this? And I made one mistake. I told them the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I told them that I had hired a virtual assistant to help me with my stuff. And of course, that was against HR. That was against the terms, you know, and it didn't get cleared through HR or anything like that. So uh, ironically, I got written up. Here I am. I was just promoted three times. I was now a project manager three. You can Were imagine. Were you a W-2 employee doing this? I was. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was a W-2. Is there liability to that? What was their problem with that? They said I was, they said that I, they said that I was distracted. I was, I was, I was distracted. Um, and you know, in in their defense, I, I always loved doing my own web development projects and stuff like that. I've always kind of done that on the side. It's always been a side hustle since I was a teenager. I've built websites in Dreamweaver, you know, um, now with WordPress, it's so easy to make a website. Yeah. Golly, was it hard back then? But now when I realized this whole thing, I, I started growing my own little team to do projects on the side. So they kind of, they couldn't get me in trouble for that because it's not against the, it's not against, it's not, it's not something you can get in trouble for to have a little side hustle, sure. right? As long as it doesn't inter- interfere with your work, but that, and they couldn't pin me for interfering with my work because I was a top performer at the company. Yeah. So what they did was they wrote me up for like, a random ass project that kind of went sideways, no, no fault of my own that ironically I fixed and had a five star rating, you know, 10 out of 10 review at the end of the year. But they wrote me up for this project and how it went sideways. So they were just looking for some, right. And they had just put the three at the end of my name, project manager three. And I said, man, these people don't care about me. Like I knew immediately, like at that moment, but then there were certain events that happened. So I had already built kind of my team on the side and we were doing fun other projects, but it, it was a hobby. It wasn't making money. Definitely wasn't making a hundred grand a year like my other job. You know, my, my job working at Phillips was amazing. I had a company car, company computer, company phone, company printer. Man, I remember when I left that job, it was leap day, February, 20, February 29th, 2016. Not that long ago. I remember having to turn my printer in like that sucked. I was like, wow. Like I had my computer, my printer, my cell phone. Like I had to start over when I left that job. And that's when I realized they really only, they give you enough. They even gave me a credit card that I could charge $75 a month on food. That's how I got so fat, by the way. (laughs) Um, So what was crazy though, is that there was that realization. There was that realization that, Oh my gosh, like, what I'm doing is actually valuable. I don't know how valuable it is, but it's gotta be at least as valuable as this job. And I didn't know. And I took a chance. I, I prayed, you know, I cried a lot. I talked to my wife about it, my family, my coworkers, even some of my pro- project managers that I actually trust that I'm still friends with today. Mm. All right. Uncle Steve, if you're out there, love you, man. <laughs> um, but what's really interesting is that I just, packed everything up and there was just a, you know my grandfather was dying my dad was diagnosed with cancer my wife and I had a miscarriage and my job didn't give a shit about that wow didn't didn't care they didn't even let me take time off to be with my wife for surgery when we had to remove our unborn child that had passed what right does the matter with people yeah so I had to fly to Alaska during that wow. and my 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 mother-in-law had to risk her job by taking off work during a very busy season to fly back up with my wife, her daughter to be with her during that. And it was, that was like the gut wrenching moment that I said, no, Mm. this is it. And then after that, I get pulled in and written up. So it was like this whole chain of series of events. Right. So I think it was God telling me like, Jeff, you know, I don't know if, if you guys listening are spiritual or whatever, but I can tell you this, 
Like there's just so many things in my life that I know are, are not a coincidence. Um, and I, I just was like, it was just like, he was saying, this is the time, this is the time, this is the time. Cause I've been in my head wrestling with it. So I finally quit. I quit. I, I spent the last month of, of my life, uh, or the last month of my grandfather's life with him, uh, at his house. And, uh, we lived there. I, it, you know, it's a very depressing moment as a 30 something year old man to, to take your, your wife and your three year old son and go live and move in with your grandparents. Hmm. But at the same time, my grandfather was dying and I thought, man, I named my son after him, Jesse. And <clears throat> he's seven years old now. And at the time he was three and he never even knew his great grandpa, never even knew. He never even knew his great grandpa. So it gave us a really great chance to spend a whole month in my, in my grandpa, you know, of course my son barely remembers anything. He's three, but those are memories that, that now I have, I have videos of them playing piano together and messing around. Right. That's time that I would have never gotten back. Mm-hmm. Right. So I know that it, it happened for a reason and I packed up my family and then we went on another 30 day adventure. We went to the Philippines for 30 days. And I really solidified my team in the Philippines. I had an office in Makati City. Uh, I didn't know how to quite make it profitable, but I knew that if I spent 30 days there, I'd figure it out. Mm. <laughs> and I did. That first year, I left my $150,000, a year job. Uh, and that first year uh, in 2016, I made $275,000 um, on vastaffer.com, which was my first adventure on my own. And then every year it's been, it's been doubling ever since. So this, this year should be, well, we'll see how coronavirus does so far. So good, but this should be my first, you know, seven figure year. That's amazing. I, I would think that the VA staffing is something that people are really looking into right now, given zero travel. We have really blown up. And matter of fact, one of my project managers just hired four new people on Monday that are going through training. Um, and are they all Filipino? Um, I would say 80%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right now I have a very interest. There's a very interesting dilemma that's happening right now, which is, yeah, this is probably going to end up on some podcast somewhere, some clip when I get blown up somewhere, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, it's really hard today to find Americans that actually want to work like, um, and do and do the things that that a virtual assistant does, you know, an, an executive assistant. It's very hard and challenging for me to find someone very reliable. Yes, because people always give me crap and they're like, "Oh, you hire from the Philippines because you like, you know, to take advantage of third world, you know, labor or, or whatever." And I said, "No, I hire from the Philippines because I really like their loyalty, and I really like the fact that they show up to work every day. I've never seen work ethic like this, mm-hmm. never." I mean, I was a project manager for a Fortune 500 company. I never saw, I never saw those types of ethics in that company. People that were getting paid six figures, mm-hmm. right? Um, let alone someone in the Philippines who, you know, I can literally change their lives by offering them a salary that, that's, you know, ridiculous. Compared, you know, the average person in the Philippines is about $300 a month. You know, that's what most people are getting paid. So when I can offer a thousand, you know, like a starting salary, even a starting salary at 25, 30,000 pesos, which is, uh, you know, 600, 750 bucks, something like that. Like that's a huge 
huge step up. And that's why I'm able to keep my, my costs down for my projects too. You know, if you work with a big branding agency, you're going to spend minimum, you know, $25,000, $30,000. And I'm able to do that for a third of that price, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the way, I'll, I'll stack my graphic designers up against any branding agency. I mean, I, 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 I'm being braggadocious here a little bit, but some of the stuff that we've done in the past couple of weeks alone has been like, man, like we just got done doing a, a sales page for, for one of my clients and partners. His name's Chris. And when it came back, I was like jealous. I'm like, damn, dude, like I need one of these for myself, really? <laughs> you know? And, what about, and that, uh, so, sorry to interrupt you. I was going to ask you, what no. about copy? That's that copy has been a difficult one that I've not found somebody overseas to do. So that ironically, that's the other percentage of my team. So the other 20, 25% of my team, I've got, I've got Al, I have Alex, I have uh, Evelyn. Uh, these are core copywriters um, on my team. They're here in America. Yeah. So, you know, it, for me, it's not about like, it's not about the price or the skill set or whatever else. It's really about having people do what they do best, you know? And uh, there are certain things like, for example, one of the biggest things that we do in our company uh, as an executive is our executive assistant type services is like literally how can we create leads for you? So we do like LinkedIn lead generation um, where we go out and prospect for, for clients. We'll do communication back and forth. They'll be on a call and they'll take notes and they'll send out summaries and things like that and put presentations together. Like that's a perfect thing for anyone in the Philippines to do. And I know how to train them really well. As a matter of fact, I don't hire, train, or manage my team at all. I have five project managers on my team that do all of that. They do the hiring, they do the training, they do the managing, they do the negotiations on salaries. They do the firing. <laughs> yes, firing. <laughs> right. That, that's um, your first hire, right? If you're getting started with VA. An executive assistant is a great place to start. Absolutely. Um, and and I, I always try to look at, I look at it from two different angles. What are some things I can get off my plate right now so that I have my life back and I can focus on more revenue generating activities, you know, being able to do more client calls and things like that, um, being able to create content, you know, finish that project or the course that I've been putting off. Like that's, that's how it starts with most people is like, how can I get rid of some of these lower level tasks? And this is why I don't like the word outsourcing. I have two levels of outsourcing, upsourcing and downsourcing. That's what it should be. Downsourcing is like, here's repetitive things that I need off the plate. And a lot of people, you know, here's the interesting thing. A lot of people devalue those tasks. They incorrectly devalue those tasks because they're critical tasks but they're not critical that you do them, right? Yes. Your business needs certain things to be done, just like your taxes. You got to do it, <laughs> right? It has to be done. It's critical for your business, but is it something that you should be doing? Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't done my taxes in years. That's why I hire somebody, right? Mm-hmm. I, I haven't mowed my lawn in years. So I hire somebody for that, mm-hmm. right? I definitely don't wash my car. I actually have a guy who comes and details both of my cars, right? Once a month. So uh, that's, that's how I roll. So I try to get people in that mindset. The other side of the angle, the other side of the equation is what this is upsourcing. Upsourcing is what are things that I'm not good at or I struggle with or it takes too much time. I call it puzzling things. And how can I get someone to take those over 
It might cost more, but I'm not good at building a funnel. I'm good at coming up with a design, coming up with what I, what I want to do. And of course I'm, I'm great at copywriting, but I'm not good at design. So I hire up for that. You know, I have Chris Bonetti who I work with, who's working with me on a funnel for Grant Cardone um, and, and 10 X health system and, and uh, Gary Brecca like that streamline and Grant Cardone had a baby basically is what that is. <laughs> and it's a supplement line, you know, it's a health health supplement line. So that's one of the things. And, and, you know, he's not cheap. He's, he's the most, you know, the most expensive, you know, funnel builder that I've ever hired. So it really depends on the skill set you're trying to do. And you have to hire for the result. That's what people get wrong. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people hire and they don't hire for the result in mind. They try to hire what I call the, the miracle VA. This is a myth, by the way. Everyone thinks that they're going to hire this VA who's just going to do everything in their business for them. They're mm-hmm. going to do their accounting. They're going to do their social media posting. They're going to do their blog articles. They're going to do video transcriptions. They're going to, they're going to run their podcast for them and do the audio bumpers and upload it to WordPress. And they're going to do SEO on their site. Like people want somebody that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Their expectations are so wrong. The reason why I have 70 plus people on my team is because I keep everyone in their lane. I keep everyone doing what they should be doing and what they enjoy doing. And that's how you avoid burnout. That's how you build loyalty. And that's how you keep people around for a long time. Well, I mean, just imagine a group of people that all love what they're doing, who, who respect their, uh, their, their counterparts and don't feel like their toes are being stepped on because somebody else is great at what they don't like doing or whatever. And everybody coming together with energy and passion and uh, a, a shared vision. I mean, how is that not more productive, more profitable, more enjoyable to be around than where the traditional team and organization is, which is people hate what they do. <laughs> they can't wait to go home to work. There's no energy. There's no passion. Uh, Let me tell you one of the most satisfying things that I've ever experienced. I get to experience every morning at nine o'clock, every morning, nine o'clock. And that's, I have a nine o'clock all hands project management call every morning at 9am with those five project managers. And that's also a great time to reflect but that's a totally different, that could be a whole other podcast another day. But this is something that I know from personal experience that every, most everyone that I know who's an entrepreneur, even a founder or CEO of a bigger company or a smaller company, not a lot of people have this experience except for maybe digital marketer. Marcus Murphy, a digital marketer, shout out to you. You do some killer stuff with your team. But 9 a.m. every morning, I get on a Zoom call with the project managers and it's their call. They're leading the call. I'm just the guy, right? Like they're talking about things that are happening in their teams. Each project manager has their own team. There's a graphic designer. There's a web develop, web developer PM. There's a social media person, right? There's the, so basically the way I have it split up in my businesses, I have inbound sales, social media marketing, uh, which also social media marketing is the video and graphic design as well, which she's probably overloaded. I need to get her a little relief. <laughs> what does what inbound sales cover then if it's not social media? Inbound sales is when people contact us and he's the guy who Julio gets on the call and he 
tells them how, you know, he comes up with solutions and proposals and puts the slides together on how we're going to work with our clients. That's what he does. Got right? it. Okay. So he's all about, so that's what I mean by inbound sales. Social media, of course, does generate inbound sales. That's correct. Gotcha. She keeps him busy, right? Yes. <laughs> so, so, but she's the, but she's more of a content producer, right? So she coordinates the video, the video team and the graphic design team and the social media team. And it's kind of a really, that's probably one of the most critical roles to have on your team because that person not only comes up with the schedule, but also coordinates with the graphic and video editors to make sure that the content's on point. She also coordinates with the copywriting team to make sure the copy's on point and see how there's that collaboration between them. They're all doing their own thing and they all love what they do. So mm -hmm. when it comes together, it's just magic, right? So I have mm -hmm. basically, in other words, I have these five project managers that I have a call every morning at 9 a.m. And I'm listening to them uh, and my executive assistant team, Miles, which that team has grown so much that out of the 70 people, she has, I want to say, 25 or more people under her, her own team, which is stupidly crazy. Um, so Do we need so now, assistant stuff? Yeah. So, so now actually she, my assistant slash project manager, Miles now hired her own assistant, Nicole. So my assistant has an assistant, awesome. <laughs> right? So, so this is the, the crazy stuff that's happening right now. Yeah. Um, and, and anyway, I wake up every morning at 9am and I listen to their call talking about the things that are going on in their team. And I'm just there for support. Right. And then I'll, and then I'll reinforce like, Hey guys, you know, this week I really want to focus on whatever, you know, and, and we all kind of support each other. I always end the call the same way. Every time I say, okay, guys, is there anything urgent that you need my help with? How can I support you? Right. That's uh, that's powerful, man, because there's so many um, leaders, CEOs, owners that are uh, pulling and, and, you know, dictating and telling people and uh, being little mini tyrants and control freaks. And you're really talking about how do I get out of my, uh, get out of their way? How do I put them in a position to succeed? How do I make sure that they're in the right lane to where they love what they do? And then simply just asking the question, what do you need? How can I help you? How can I support you? And giving them what they need to do. That's, it, it, it doesn't seem that difficult, but it's, it's rare. I will tell you this, my, I've been doing this for seven years and it's, it has never been to this point. You know, it's taken me a long time to kind of figure it out. And I think that it also requires a different level of people. And, you know, in the beginning, I didn't have much of a budget. I didn't have a lot of people. And, you know, I wouldn't have thought about paying a salary. You know, the, some of the, the project managers obviously are some of the biggest costs that I have in, in my business, but they're also the biggest revenue driver for my business. Mm -hmm. And that, that, you know, that, that's a, that's a good point, Peter. A lot of people come to me and they say, well, I don't, I can't afford a virtual assistant. And in my mind, I just think, I just think about my team and I say, I can't afford not, <laughs> I can't afford not mm -hmm. to have a virtual assistant. Well, I just got my five minute notification that I have another call. But, cool. Um, well, yeah, I know. I was just gonna say. I know we're getting probably <sighs> on time, but, um, dude, I could talk with you forever. I just, I, I love your energy and I love what you're doing, and I really do connect with your broader purpose of really helping other influencers make broader impact. That's a hundred percent consistent with what I like doing on the podcast as well. So this is this feels like a really good fit. I hope your listeners got something out of this. Uh, I'm sure they did, 
and uh, I know my audience will as well. So thank you so much for your time today, Jeff. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I'm going to leave it with something for both of our audiences here is that you said something super important earlier about getting out of your own way. And I feel that as entrepreneurs, we tell ourselves three lies. There's three lies that we always tell ourselves. One is that no one can do it better than us. I will tell you, there are people on my team that do a lot of things better than I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From web design to Julio. Julio, who's my inbound sales guy, he actually does better presentations than me. Most mm-hmm. of my presentations that I do, all those slides, he does those, right? He does the research on what I'm going to talk about. I'll just say, hey, I want to teach people lessons on how to do this and this and this. He'll go out online and he'll put together an awesome presentation. And then all I have to do is spend 30 minutes before whatever I'm doing and say, oh, wow, I love what I did. Maybe change a few things, (laughs) right? So no one can do it as good as me. That's lie number one. Number two is that I don't have time to train somebody. I don't have time to train somebody. That's the biggest lie ever because... You're doing it already. Yeah. Open up Zoom or Loom or whatever the heck you got. Tiny Take is another app. And just record what you're doing. Just record it. Just record what you're doing and then annotate it. Say, well, on this sheet, I'm doing whatever and make sure to copy this over and whatever else. Because you're doing the work anyway. Right. It doesn't take any additional time. Okay. And... You can also have people shadow you. You do your work, you record it, have them ask questions like, hey, what exactly are you doing? And then you flip it around and you have them do it, you shadow them. And then that way, when they get stuck, you say, oh, don't forget that. Oh, (laughs) okay, we've all done it, right? And the third lie that we always tell ourselves is that nobody's gonna care about the business as much as I do. Oof, that one gets me ticked. Like I get, I, cring- I get cringy. Like, ugh, yeah. you know? because it's such an ego connection. I have to be involved. I have to be my baby. It's yes, my baby. That's tough, though. Right? That's, a, that's a tough one. And I think that if you really do genuinely care about your people, they will genuinely care about you. And well, and and to bring this into a nice, to put this in a nice bow, what we, you talked about at the very beginning, which is having a purpose bigger than the 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 business itself and if you're really connected to that purpose and you're focused on delivering on that outcome your ego can can have a nice seat yeah put put yourself in a position to get a little bit of a little bit of light a little bit of spotlight sure if you want if you need that but to get out of the way and let let the business serve the greater good i'm gonna summarize that bow guys check it out this is this is legit first off people want to have back to what you said at the very beginning certainty sells People want to have a leader who is certain, okay? They want to have somebody who's not going to be, you know, having a freaking mental breakdown and firing or closing his business. And a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't have the mental stability that it takes. I'm just going to throw it out there. Maybe it's not right for you. Maybe there's a wake-up call. that Maybe you, shouldn't, maybe you should go back to W2. Some people need that wake-up call. There's nothing wrong with having a job, guys. There's nothing wrong with having a job. There's nothing wrong with working 40 hours for someone else instead of working 80 hours for less for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Yep. Okay. Um, but you want to make sure that you have a strong connection to the purpose, what you're doing, and your people have to feel a strong connection and purpose to what you're doing. And if you don't, you've already lost. 
Beautiful, man. Jeff, thank you so much again for your time. I'm looking forward to another conversation like this, hopefully in the near future. Let's do and, it. Uh, Going to have you on my show. Going to have you yeah, on my dude, show I would, next time. I would absolutely <laughs> love to do that. And I can't end this call without at least giving a shout out to my Jeff, who's my Filipino assistant. So thank you, Jeff, for all the work that you do. And uh, uh, that's it. I think we're good. That's it. Everybody who's listening in the Savage Marketers Facebook group, stay savage. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Peter, you are awesome. I'll reconnect. I recorded this on my end so you can do this so you can see how this works too. Excellent. Um, and then we can reconnect later. Thanks, guys. Good deal, man. Take care.